0: The Up and Under Podcast is proud to be a part of Off the Ball Network. For all things basketball, football, soccer, golf, baseball, sports betting, you name it, go to offtheballnetwork.com and check out the amazing articles posted by writers of the network, including yours truly, and the other podcasts on basically every sport under the sun. Off the Ball Network, your home for quality sports and entertainment content. I'm ready with y'all, are, I guess. All right, ready? Yep. All right, three, two, whatever. What is good, everybody? It's your boy Francis Carlotta on episode 49 of the Up and Under podcast. Everybody, take a breath. The trade deadline is finally over. And golly, goodness gracious, that was chaotic. But look, to break it all down, I'm joined by a man who has never beaten me in 2K or FIFA. I'm very confident in that. He is Grant Heckinger. Once again, no Connor Byrne, but we are joined by NBA writer for Off the Ball Network Medium.com. He has his own Patreon covering the WNBA. He writes for the Atlanta Hawks Fan Nation Sports Illustrated page. I is there anything else, Nick? Like <laughs> he is Nick Andre. Uh, what's going on, Nick?
1: What's going on, man? It's a pleasure to be here, man. You know, me and you, we talked a few times, you know, on the uh, on the timeline of Twitter and everything, man. So it's, it's a pleasure to know that, you know, we can get together and get this pod going.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. It's good to actually see you, Grant. How are you doing, man?
1: I'm, I'm good, doing man. great, man. It's 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 a rainy day on my side, but I'm good.
0: Good, Grant. How are you?
1: Yeah,
2: dude, I'm good. Um, yeah, that's all I got to say right now. I'm 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 happy. The trade deadline was as exciting as it was. It seemed like it was going to be boring for a while, um, but excited to talk about it.
0: Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. Let's get straight into the trade deadline. We got to start with the, the the blockbuster, the big one. Kevin Durant is a member of the Phoenix Suns. So the Phoenix Suns traded for bubble superstar also T.J. Warren and Kevin freaking Durant. Here's what the Suns had to give up: they had to trade McCall Bridges, Cameron Johnson, four unprotected first round picks, and a 2028 pick swap. They also traded Jake Crowder, who then was traded to the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, as a part of that deal, like somehow George Hill was involved. He got sent to the Pacers again. Uh, Serge Ibaka is also on the Pacers. And the Pacers got Jordan Nwora and three second-round picks and cash. So this not just was a big trade, because obviously it was KD, but there are a lot of other moving pieces. But as I said, the big piece that got moved is Kevin Durant. Let's start with Nick, the guest, on his initial thoughts on KD to the Suns. What are you thinking?
1: Man, um, obviously, wherever KD goes, it elevates any team's chances of winning a championship. And Phoenix has been that team for me where, you know, we all know what's happened in the past few years. You know, they got to the finals, lost in Milwaukee, and we all know the collapse that happened in the second round against Dallas. So this year I wasn't very high on Phoenix because, you know, Chris Paul's getting up their age. Devin Booker's been, you know, out of the lineup for about a good month or so before he came back. So now you have Kevin freaking Durant. Former MVP, former Finals MVP, two-time champion, who has that championship experience. I mean, we all know what he brings to the table offensively, and we all know the impact that he makes to that end. But now you have a guy that has, does have that championship experience and is able to really lead the way. So, you know, you have a nice scoring tandem right there in Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. But then also you have a point guard, point guard, and CP3. And then of course, you know, the good thing about this trade here was that you didn't have to get rid of DeAndre Ayton, so you still got that guy in the middle. So. You know, right. Phoenix is up and running right now, man. So I know I know that Denver was the clear cut favor right now, you know, in the West. I know Memphis was up there as well. But now with Phoenix coming into the table, like coming into the mix, like it's going to be really difficult out West. So the West, the Western Conference has a whole elevated during yeah. this trade deadline. But Phoenix has definitely elevated the trade, uh, their championship hopes as well.
0: For sure. Grant. What about you? What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I think
2: that's a good point about the Western Conference being elevated. I think there's a lot of like shift and finally finally the East is is the stronger conference it seems like this year and then there was a lot of talent that shifted over to the West at the trade deadline. So, a uh, big win for the Western Conference and big win for the Phoenix Suns as well. Um I think this was an ex- excellent trade for them. Uh I think they were like at that point of kind of a, a little bit of desperation where the, their window was closing on them. That's that seemed like it was it was really open there for a while. Um, and this you know breaks a white right back open um for at least for the next next 2 years um to me makes them uh, the favorites um probably probably in the whole league um for me um he fits well they didn't have to give up their whole team for him um they still got pieces around him um and and they haven't completely mortgaged their future um there there's there's still Devin Booker and Deandre in there uh but but it looks like Chris Paul might actually finally get a championship that's what i'm thinking
0: yeah i for one, I hope not. I, I hope I hope you're wrong. I'm not a big Chris Paul guy, Um, and I'll just—I've yeah, never really have been. Not a big CP guy. I am a believer that he does—he doesn't show up when you really need him the most to show up, especially in the playoffs. Oh, Francis, be, Francis,
2: you know that is statistically completely false, right?
0: I still I still believe it, and I'm talking more so health wise. I'm not talking about okay, health wise that's.
2: Fine. I'm talking more I, so health. Him and his teammates being injured, you can, it's yeah, true. So that's it's not, more that's so not health
0: wise. <laughs> yeah. I it, it. Well, whatever. It's still, it's still more so health wise for me that I just can't depend on him when it really matters uh, that late in the, in a, not just season, but uh, I guess a full NBA calendar year. It's, it's, he it just hasn't proven it to me that you can depend on him when you really need him to be healthy and really need him to be Chris Paul. But either way, that, that point aside, I mean, like, yeah, I echo what y'all said. To get Kevin Durant is just it's insane. Like the the actual the fit with him and Devin Booker is hand in glove. I think they complement each other very well. Chris Paul, when healthy, can be an he's he's the perfect point guard to be with those guys. Like you said, Nick, they still have Aiden. so keeping him was really huge. Um, and I think the the not only was Phoenix the preferred destination. For Kevin Durant. So that the Nets were publicly stating, like, we want to, we'll send KD to where he wants to go. Like there were reports of Memphis offering like four for, four or five first round picks for Kevin Durant. And like that was a reported thing. But the Nets were like, nah, we're not gonna do that. I don't care what the bounty is. Like, we're gonna give him, we're gonna send him where he wants to go. But I also think for Phoenix, in terms of player-wise, dudes who were actually available, McCall Bridges is probably, and correct me if y'all think I'm wrong, he's probably the best guy brooklyn could have gotten back right like like realistically or is that i think unfair?
2: um the the only other guys that would have compared would be og um yeah if, if the, that may og available and then i think the knicks there are also discussions with the knicks um and rj barrett is is somewhere close close to that league um but of course i had a trade proposal like a, a few weeks ago on our episode where makeover <laughs> just got traded for rj barrett and a bunch of other stuff so Um, Mikhail Bridges is really a really good piece. That's why I think like the Grizzlies couldn't have gotten it done even with all those picks. Is we did not, if we we weren't giving up our three, um, our our, one of our big three, we didn't have the players to match Mikhail Bridges and and, uh, um, Cam Johnson.
0: And Cam Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. I fully agree. Like that. I think that's the biggest takeaway that I think, you know, we'll talk about the Grizzlies later, but biggest takeaway for the Grizzlies for me is like, yes, they tried to get Kevin Durant and at least they tried, which is awesome, but they just didn't have the actual player capital. To make up for well trading for Kevin Durant, making up that value. And Phoenix did. Like, I uh I don't think Phoenix would have offered McCall Bridges in the summer for Kevin Durant. I don't think that was a thing, but now obviously it is. So yeah, it's a total win-win. Nick, I'll I'll ask this question to you, man. How do you what do you think is their? I mean, obviously their ceiling is an NBA title, but how realistic do you think that really is this season? um given how good the west is and how obviously how good boston milwaukee philly still are um for you are the are the Suns your clear-cut championship favorite
1: i'm not gonna say they're my clear-cut favorite but i will say that their chances are very high you know I, i mean it's like i said earlier you know kevin durant coming into the i mean obviously kevin durant is is who he is but also him having that championship experience but also phoenix already having that experience of what it's like to go deep into the playoffs when you know when you when you add those two together that's what that's what uh, that's what really makes your chances high I'm not gonna say it's easy because Denver is definitely a lot better when, with obviously Nikola Jokic who was an MVP favorite Jamal Murray uh Michael Porter Jr. went healthy obviously Memphis is up there a lot of people I don't agree with this but a lot of people consider the Lakers might be there now after after that oh, trade yeah. um after their trades as well so The West is still very, very tough, but I think Phoenix has a chance. So, in in my opinion, it has to be championship or bust. You know, I feel like any team that has Kevin Durant has to be championship or bust. You know, when we think about what happened in Brooklyn, you got to say it's a bust. You know, unfortunately, they only won one playoff series with the four four years that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving were teammates. So, you know, any team that has KD or any team that has, like, caliber players like Devin Booker, Chris Paul, like, it's got to be championship or bust.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I I fully agree. I, I think it should be championship or bust especially at the ages of the ages of chris paul heck kevin durant's not young either like let's just be real he's not young he's in his mid-30s like you know he's he's trying to look for that championship to really for i'm sure in his mind solidify his status as an all-time great you know for us as fans uh who cover the nba like we know how good he is but i'm sure there's still groups of people who are like ah you know kd still hasn't won that title that really supplants himself in the upper echelon because he got him with the, with the warriors, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, maybe this will help. Like maybe this will help define his legacy. And I'm sure this motivates him a lot. Grant, you're Grant. You already said that uh, the sons are your favorite. So uh, I, I would like to hear just a little more as to why, like you're so adamant that they are your favorite to come out and win a title.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think this pushes them over the edge um, at, at least in the West. Um, I mean, the Celtics would still have a really good case. Uh, the fully healthy bucks, uh, we know what I mean, Giannis brings to the table, obviously. So, um, that's scary. So at least in the West, I think this pushes them over the nuggets just because we, we haven't seen the nuggets do it. And it's not really Jokic's fault, but we haven't really seen him do it deep into the playoffs yet. Uh, we don't really know for a fact that he, that he is that type of player, um, as, as good as he is. Um, and we don't know if Michael Porter Jr. Can stay on the floor defensively in the playoffs, Jamal Murray right. is still coming back from injury and is not as good as Devin. He's their second best player, not as good as Devin Booker. Um, and Kevin Durant is, is you know right up there with Nicole Jokic. So I think they have a better one, two. Um, and you add Chris Paul and De'Aldre into that. Uh, I think it just pushed, pushed them over the edge. The Nuggets also uh, trade, trade bones Highland and didn't really do anything to replace him unless I'm forgetting about some deal. Um, so they just I got so. a, a little thinner. Uh, they obviously didn't really love the fit. A bones island that's fine but um they just get a little thinner too um so I, I think this is at least in the west this pushes the suns uh over the top
0: okay yeah just to add a little more in denver they did get thomas bryant from the lakers but again okay. that's not a replacement of bones highland yeah like, so like that and like i think that's a great point because bones provided such a scoring spark off the bench that that denver bench unit needs they they really needed something like that and he was a instrumental piece to their bench, but it didn't really fit their um yeah. their offensive ecosystem or I think their timeline either. Um but they now they're yeah they're they're they don't really have anyone who can guard KD on, on Denver. Like that's my that's my biggest um well, Aaron, worry about them.
2: Aaron Gordon is good yeah. matchup.
0: Yeah okay Aaron Gordon could do okay. Yeah okay Aaron Gordon could do all right. I mean, I like,
2: I'm yeah I like the Nuggets a lot. Aaron Gordon's having a really good year. Um yeah. really great year. I, yeah. I like him lying. He, I mean, he might be their second best player. Honestly, he might be better than, I don't know. He's having, he's having that good of a year um, with, with what he brings on both ends of the floor. Um, so I still like the nuggets a lot. I just, I just think Kevin Durant is like certified. We know what he can do in the playoffs. hundred percent. Devin Booker has done in the playoffs. We haven't really seen it from Jokic yet. And that's probably not his fault at all. It's just, it's just due to, to bad luck mostly, um, which is the same thing that you're uh, shitting on Chris Paul for, but that's fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But uh, I just think the Suns ed- edge them out right now, for me.
0: Okay, yeah, fair enough. Y'all have any thoughts about Brooklyn and and what they got? You know, do y'all uh, th- does this roster? Looking at the Brooklyn roster, I know Grant, you love like fascinating rosters and versatile rosters. Like this roster is versatile as hell. <laughs> it's yeah. just a bunch of wings. <laughs> like it's a, yeah. it's a bunch of wings and Nick Claxton. <laughs> and then you got a Seth Curry in there and Spencer Dinwiddie who can play point guard. But it's really just a bunch of really fun wings and you can cobble together some really cool lineups. I was just curious if y'all had any thoughts about Brooklyn.
1: I think Brooklyn's still going to be a pretty good team. Um, you know, obviously they don't have the star, the star caliber players that they once have, but you know, a lot of these guys, you know, they're really good players. I mean, yeah, we just watched cam cam Thomas go ballistic this past week. So it's oh, like, you oh know, my the God. potential and the ceiling, the ceiling is definitely there. And then of course you add Mikel Bridges, Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, Cam Johnson as well. I um, mean, then you still got guys like you know, like you mentioned, Seth Curry, um, and uh, Nick Claxton who, in my opinion, should be a most approved candidate this year. So, yeah, Brooklyn may not be they may they might they might, ha- they might not have the championship window, but I think that they could still be a playoff caliber team for years to come and just continue to be, uh, keep adding on that.
0: Yeah. Grant. Anything?
2: Yeah. Uh, I, I can't believe they didn't trade like Royce O'Neal or, or one of those wings um, other than, mm-hmm. other than Jay Crowder. Um, they just have so many wings. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like you said, like the roster, super interesting roster, um, a lot of good players still on it. Um, don't know that this is good. I mean, they ha- actually have a pretty good ha- head start, obviously with their record. Um, so they'll likely end up maybe in, in the play-in or top, top half of the play-in. Um, I, I don't know if they're going to make noise or anything in the playoffs. I don't, I don't know if they're that type of team, but uh they definitely have a good foundation here and and can reset with this. And we've seen what Brooklyn can do um, from a, from a rebuilding standpoint when they had nothing at their disposal right now, they have a lot of their disposal to rebuild with. So i will be interested to see.
0: Yeah. And that, that's the point I was waiting for for y'all to make because uh, they have so the pieces they have are incredibly valuable assets. Like the, I mean, we talk about this all the time. We mentioned it on on our last podcast, the value of, three and D wings is just through the roof. I mean, look at what OGA and was demanding and like, it's just, it's so high. And now Brooklyn has a lot of those, like they have, they have a plethora of three and D wings that yeah, they can yeah. get really good value for. Like, and if they want to keep Mikel bridges, who's on a phenomenal contract, they can, and then they can trade cam Johnson or Dorian Finney Smith or um, insert wing here <laughs> because yeah. they can get good value for these guys and, and rebuild um, their roster because uh, there will be teams like I <clears throat> Memphis offered. I, I I saw they offered like three firsts for McCall bridges and Brooklyn still said no, because they can probably get a better deal for McCall maybe in the off season, when more teams are, are you know, you go off you go through the playoffs and more teams get a better understanding of where they're at and their flaws yeah. and get a little more desperate. And like Brooklyn's probably doing the right thing and not taking that deal. Cause they can probably get a better deal in the summer. Yeah. They do want to trade McCall. So, yeah, it's it's actually it's a fascinating team that I think come playoff time it'll be it'll be kind of like a match it'll be tough matchups depending on who they face but I think it'll be really tough yeah. matchups uh, that could cause some noise.
2: Yeah, I just want to say this trade market sucks right now. This is just it's, oh, yeah. it's a pain in the ass to have to be giving up three first round picks for any any good players. Basically, um, I think we need some some sort of reset uh, to get us back to uh, like what I would call normal.
0: Yeah. And I, and just to elaborate on that point again, just really briefly. So I saw some people on Twitter saying that the Kyrie trade was a step towards normalizing the trade market because you're trading for really a, a generational type basketball player in terms of Kyrie Irving, in terms of his basketball talent. But my counterpoint to that would be well, have you not been paying attention to yeah. any NBA news over the past like two years about Kyrie Irving? Like yeah, he's an incredible superstar caliber basketball player, but the reason why he got such what what is like a pretty low trade compared to his talent is because of all the off-field off the court stuff yeah. that that we deal with, that comes with Kyrie Irving. And I you know, I have my thoughts about Kyrie. I don't need to share them right now.
2: If That's, if anything he got if anything it was an overpay in that trade and not like an yeah. underpay for his value. Um like there there were a couple of reported trades that were pretty uh similar in value to to what they ended up getting. Uh, but listening to the, to the low post uh, yesterday or two days ago, Zach Lowe said he very much doubted the actual reality of the of those trades being out there that he thought there were, if there were trades from those teams, they were considerably l- uh, lesser packages than, than what was reported. So um, it seems more like an overpay than like if anything that's going to reset the market because it was low value.
0: Yeah, I agree. We'll talk more about Mavs later on as well. Let's move on to another team that a lot of people consider winners of the trade deadline, The Los Angeles Lakers. Nick already brought them up a little bit earlier, and I'll go to you in just a moment, Nick. Let me just lay out everything, (laughs) everything that happened with the Lakers. So, coming, like, leaving L.A., Russell Westbrook, Patrick Beverly, Thomas Bryant, Kendrick Nunn, Damian Jones, and JTA5 Juan Toscano Anderson in a 2027 first-round pick. Coming in to the Los Angeles Lakers, D'Angelo Russell and a homecoming, like, welcome back to L.A., d Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt Bar. I, uh, shout out to my favorite fantasy basketball podcaster, Josh Lloyd. He makes that joke, Vanderbilt Bar. I love him. Anyway, uh, Mo Bamba, Rui, the pride of Japan, Hachimura. Because J- J- Japanese people love Rui because he puts on for their, for their culture, for their, for their country. So good, good for him and for Japan. Devon Reed and three second-round picks. Gentlemen, that's a lot of stuff. Um, uh, that's a lot of stuff, a lot of activity for the Los Angeles Lakers. It's almost like reading all the websites and articles that Nick does. It's just, it's just a constant list of things going on. Um, I, I'll go Nick cause you know, I haven't gone to you in a moment, Nick, are the, you mentioned, we also talked about KD. are the Lakers genuine winners of the trade deadline? And also like, what does that even mean for the Lakers to even be a winner of the trade deadline?
1: Are they winners of the trade deadline? That's an interesting question. Uh, I wouldn't say the winners, but they definitely, in my opinion, they definitely upgraded the roster because I think one of the biggest weaknesses that they did have was perimeter shooting. But now when you add guys like Malik Beasley and a few other guys, DeAngelo Russell, you know, that definitely does add some more space into the floor and then adds more value as far as, you know, shooting from the perimeter. So I love it from that perspective. And then I love, and then I, I love, I love the acquisition of Jared Vanderbilt. You know, I've been a big fan of him, even with Minnesota, and then, of course, you know, he had a terrific season this past at Utah. So, you know, with him coming into the uh, coming into the mix as well, I love that for them as well. Um, it was kind of head-scratching for me for them to get rid of Thomas Bryant, but I heard some reports that he was unhappy with his role there. So I definitely understand it from that perspective. But it doesn't make the Lakers better. It definitely does make them better. But I'll be honest, I don't necessarily see them as elevated as title contenders. I think they're, what, like 13th in the West right now. So I can possibly see them get into a playing position. Cool can they get out of the playing position? Of course, if you have a healthy LeBron and AD, but are they going to make noise against the West? Like, are they, are they still, are they good enough to beat Phoenix, Denver, Memphis, even a team like New Orleans who is healthy? Like whenever they're healthy, you know, are they fit to beat those teams? We all know that they have the championship experience and a dynamic duel, but I just don't see them really making a lot of noise, you know, if they would be able to make the playoffs.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I, I agree. I do think, The Lakers. Well, I disagree in this sense that I think the Lakers are winners of the deadline because they got better. They were able to take negatives in Russell Westbrook, a monumental negative, and turn that into actual value in terms of D'Lo, Malik Beasley, and Jared Vanderbilt. I think that's a that's a huge win for me to get off of Russell Westbrook's contract. And you know the reports of from ESPN's Dave McMenamin, he said on TV that getting rid of Russell Westbrook was like getting rid of a vampire from the locker room. Like that's such a such a damning statement about a player and his, his fit on the team. So, you know, it's, it's a good, it's huge that they were able to get out of Russ and get actual quality players that will help them win basketball games moving forward. Like you said, Nick, I like Jordan Vanderbilt a lot too. And I think it'll be fascinating uh, to see what the Lakers do. if, If AD and Vanderbilt can play on the same floor together. I think it depends on if AD can actually shoot threes, but I think they could they could really be a good defensive front court uh, with those two guys and they could, he would help. And Malik Beasley solves some three-point shooting issues. Delo same thing as well. Um, like it's, it's a good trade and R- Rui's done. He's had a decent few games since he's become a Laker. Um, so I, I think they are better, but you touched on the other part of my question. Like, yeah, if they're a winner, what does that even mean? Because they're 13th in the West. So if they are a winner of the trade deadline, what does that mean? Are they now an NBA title contender? No, absolutely not. I don't understand how people can truly think that. But then what, what would be winning for them? Like making the play in tournament? Cool. Because they're 13th. Like you said, they're still, they still got, they got teams ahead of them. And they make the play in, then what? Now, are they going to win the play in and then lose in the first round? Like, what does winning even mean for Lakers? Because they're, they're in such a bad position entering the trade deadline. And these moves don't elevate them to contender status, but it kind of puts them in the middle where they were like at the bottom. Now they're in the middle. So they're a winner for me. But what does winning even look like? Grant, what what do you think about the Lakers?
2: Yeah, I think they got better. Um, they got younger, uh, which I you know, I, I some of the trades out there, some of the packages I thought they would have gotten like the jazz getting Conley Clarkson or the thing, you know, the Hornets getting um, Hayward and, and Rosie or something wouldn't have made them very young. Um, this, yeah. they had a bunch of young guys and still got better. Um, so I like that. I mean, I feel like they didn't have to give up as much as I would have expected for, for as much as they got um, just one of their, their future first, those um, vaunted two for future first only had to give up one of yeah. them. Um. So I, I like what they did a lot. Um. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't make them contenders this year. But I think things had soured a lot. Uh, we saw that this week. We saw uh, the the interaction, the confrontation between Darwin Hamm and and uh, and Russell Westbrook. Um, right. Things have obviously been souring a lot for a long time there uh, behind the scenes. Uh, so I, it was just untenable. Time time to move on from it um, and and get some like fresh energy in there. Uh, Anthony Davis's body language, I'm sure you've seen that video, um, his body language during when LeBron broke the record um, didn't look yeah. good. He he attributed that to just like the fact they were losing the game. I don't think that's a very good excuse for no. not celebrating your teammates breaking the all time scoring record. That's that seemed seemed pretty ridiculous. So I hope that's salvageable with this new energy um, for their sake. Uh, but but that was not good to see. But at the very least, they got they got better, brought in some new energy right now. They got younger. They got a big expiring in D'Angelo Russell, who they can either bring back or um, open up some space next year if they, if they can sign someone big. Um, they, I think, believe Rui's expiring as well, so um, they they have a, they have a pathway to, to cap space next year um, and improved right now and got younger. So yeah, I, I think they did a really good job. Uh, doesn't make them a contender or anything, but I think this is um, probably as good of a trade down the as I could have expected from them without actually getting like any star.
0: Yeah. I, I, yeah, I agree. I agree with those sentiments uh, wholeheartedly. Um, Grant, what would be your ideal starting five for the Lakers?
2: Um, So it's D'Lo, LeBron and AD for sure. Uh, The general, but Vanderbilt piece is interesting because I think it's, you said it depends on if AD can shoot, can shoot threes. That seems like it's gone. It seems like it's out the window. (laughs) Um, I knew you'd say that. (laughs) That dream is just gone. Um, It actually might more depend more on if Jared Vanderbilt Vanderbilt can shoot threes. He's I think he's made like 19 threes this year and shooting 33, percent and people are like, ooh, pretty solid like spot up shooter. Like, no, he's not. He's not there yet. That's not doing anything for you. But um, may- maybe down down the line it could be. Um, but a starting five. To get back to your question, that's why I thought man, Royce O'Neal would have been just a perfect guy for them to go pick up because that would have been. LeBron at the 4, 80 at the 5, Royce O'Neal at the 3, D'Angelo at the 2, and then one of their shooting guards, Austin Reeves, Mike Beasley, um, Lonnie Walker, one of those shooting guards at the 2. That that would have been the starting 5, what I would love to see from them. But without, yeah. without Royce O'Neal, the actual roster, uh, I don't know, they're filling Troy Brown juniors or something there, or Rui there, one of those guys probably.
0: Okay. Uh, Nick, what about you? Do you have an ideal starting 5?
1: Um, obviously D-Lo LeBron AD. I mean, I think, I think that's a guarantee. Right. Um, I actually like, honestly, I would love to see if, you know, you could start Rui at the wing and then put LeBron at the four. I think that could be an interesting tandem. Ooh. And then at the two guard position, probably Austin Reeves, just because, I mean, just because he's been with the team longer and he already knows the system.
0: Okay. Okay. Fair enough. So you'd have Malik coming off the bench as like that microwave score.
1: I think so. I think I think that'll be good for him. I think I think the Lakers do need a lot of energy coming off the bench and Malik Beasley's a sniper. So I, I think I think if I think it works well.
0: Okay. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Um I'm kind of I'm not sure where I stand on my starting five. Obviously, those three guys that, that are those are set in, like set etched in stone. Um, I think Rui at the Rui starting with LeBron would be interesting because uh yeah, technically Rui, Rui would be the three, but you can move him to the four and have LeBron play the three. Uh, and then your other, I, I just think the Lakers need shooting so badly. I think they might start Malik Beasley um, and stagger his minutes with the starting lineup and, you know, have him play with a little bit with a bench unit. Cause they just get yeah, any lineup with LeBron on the floor needs three point shooting. So I, agree, I think you just, I think you just start Malik Beasley because you need floor spacing, you need shooting. And that's what Beasley provides. Um, D'Lo is a good shooter but I, he he he's not really a spot up shooter. I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but I <clears throat> excuse me. I assume, I don't again, I don't know, but I assume that his catch and shoot numbers aren't great cuz I feel like he's when he cooks, it's it's off the dribble cooking and not I'm going to spot up in the corner and I'm going to be a kick out guy and I'll and I'll just be a knockdown guy. That doesn't seem like to me Delo's game. So, I think they need someone who can spot up and make threes like Malik Beasley to play with LeBron. So I'd start Malik. Um, uh, but I also understand the argument to putting him on the bench and as a scorer. Uh any other thoughts on the Lakers before we move on?
1: Uh, uh I have a quick cool question. Um what do you guys yes. think a guy like Mo could possibly bring to the team? Because this is a guy that we really have not seen. Like his only highlight is probably what the fight that happened like what about a week ago against <laughs> Minnesota? Uh
0: yeah I, I was fun I uh, oddly enough about Mo Bamba, I was really uh, I I I was I had him on my fantasy basketball team last year, and he was he had a good year. He was like she was shooting threes last year, and I'm like, who is this guy? Uh, and this year he is not like he's he's definitely regressed from what I thought was a promising year uh, last year. Now he's back to just not being a productive NBA player. Um, but I you know like Grant said, he the Lakers got younger, so you know maybe they could try and develop him a little bit more, give him more uh, solid playing time. He can learn from AD. I think AD would be a great person to learn from if you are Mo Bamba. Uh, and if he becomes a solid backup center, he basically takes Thomas Bryant's minutes. Uh, so if he can be a productive backup center, learn from AD, um, I think you could get some value from him. What about you, Grant?
2: Yeah, I think, um, well, first off, um, let me embarrass you, Francis, on uh, in front of millions of, of people, li- listeners here. DeAndre Russell is, is shooting 45% on spot-ups. Um
0: Oh, okay, so good. Oh, okay, I, I, sweet.
2: I, I thought uh, he might actually be a good spot-up player. Um,
0: oh, okay.
2: Anyways, um, yeah, good, solid player, high upside, um, takes Thomas Bryant's minutes, probably probably a downgrade right now um, on Thomas Bryant. Um, and if Thomas Bryant wasn't happy in his role and with the Lakers, I'm not sure if he's going to be happy backing up Nikola Jokic. Um, yeah, that was weird. He's, he's not going to get more. Um, so bad on him. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, like, like the, uh, like the pick there, um, another guy who ideally can space the floor, um, next, next to so maybe can play him next AD some. So, um, mm. if you're going to move Thomas Bryant, um, I, I thought it was weird when they initially moved Thomas Bryant and then when they traded from Obama, I was like, okay that that makes sense. They had another, they had a second, a second option in place here. So,
0: yeah, cool. All right. So let's move on to. Well, it's it's a it's our last segment, but it's kind of like a free flowing thing. So we're going to give our top eight in each conference post trade deadline. We'll do it in more, do them in order. Um, <clears throat> I'll I'll go first, and then we'll just kind of go off of it, and someone will go next. We'll, this will be a pretty free flowing <laughs> segment, no real structure to this. So my top eight in the Eastern Conference: Boston, Milwaukee, Cleveland. That I'm. I picked Cleveland to be third in preseason, so I'm sticking with it. Cleveland, Philadelphia, Miami, Brooklyn, New York, and Toronto. I think Toronto makes a sur- resurgence and gets the eighth seed uh, in the Eastern Conference. In the West, Denver, Phoenix, Memphis, Dallas, Clippers, Warriors, Kings, Pelicans. Uh, I'm actually, yeah, you can kind of, maybe you could flip Pelicans, Kings, but I'm sticking with that now. Um, so, Y'all have thoughts on that? If you want to share your eight, and then we can talk about that after. What I don't really, it don't matter too much to me. Um, go, whatever.
2: <laughs> Are we doing a uh, this? Is this for regular season standings or, or favorites and favorites to win the championship?
0: Uh, I was doing it. I was doing it as when the season's over. This is my prediction for the top eight in in, okay. the, in the conference. Hold okay.
1: <clears throat> go
2: ahead, Nick, if you want to. Um,
1: uh, I'll I'll start with the West uh i'll say denver's still up there i'm gonna go phoenix too i don't know if they actually get the second seed but they're like you know my probably my second favorite in the west um i'll go memphis i'll go dallas i will go i will go to state oh yeah it does get hard golden state at five um New Orleans at six. Oh. Uh, did I say Portland? I, I'll, I'll go Portland seven. Portland? And oh, my gosh. Yeah. I feel like I'm missing somebody. But well, <laughs> you're missing Sacramento. Um, Do you have Sacramento? Oh, yeah, Sacramento. Sacramento, Sacramento, yeah. You know what? Right. I will, I'll right. I'll put Sacramento at eight. I'll put Sacramento at eight just because Ooh. I love what they've been wow. doing this year. Yeah, and for the East, I will go Boston, Milwaukee. I'll go Philly three. I'll go Cleveland four. Um, man, it's just it's, it's such a mix. I'll go Miami five. Okay. Miami five. I don't think you mentioned this team, but I still have some confidence in them. I'll go Atlanta six. Yeah, I still have some, I mean, some confidence to. in them. Yeah. Um. Then I'll say. I'll say Brooklyn seven and then New York eight. It sucks because I want to add Indiana in there as well, but it's tough. Mm,
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Grant, go ahead.
1: Okay. um, I'll start on the East. Um,
2: I'm going to go Celtics first. Um, And then I almost, I want, I'm very tempted to reverse prices, right? You Francis and go Cavs here and just put, just to put them above you. <laughs> uh, so that, therefore, I can claim on the biggest cast. Oh my God, <laughs> supporter! <laughs> uh, but uh, I don't think it, I don't think it makes sense. It's hard. Like looking at the standings right now, it's it's hard because I don't feel like we have a ton of games left. So I don't know if like there's a lot of time right. for teams teams to catch up and move move like four games up in the standings, basically. Sure. Um. So like, I, but I don't also don't want to go just chalk with the standings. So, anyways, all right, Celtics. Bucks, Sixers, uh, Heat, Cavs. I'll go low on the Cavs, and then I can non-reverse prices right <laughs> here. Um, and then Knicks. How many teams have I named? Six?
0: Yeah.
2: Um, Knicks, I should Nets. have been writing these down. Knicks. Nets, and I'm going to go Bulls.
0: Ooh, okay. Okay, interesting.
2: Okay. West, Nuggets, Grizzlies, Suns, Ooh. Mavericks, um, Clippers, Warriors, Kings. Pelicans. I think that was eight.
0: <clears throat> yeah.
2: Yep. That's what I'm gonna go with.
0: Okay. We basically had the same West, except you had Memphis still at two.
2: So you had Memphis, what'd you have in three? And I you had, third. And you had the Suns moving up to third or second? I mean. um,
0: second, yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean, they're four and a half games back. That's gonna be a pretty, pretty big I know, hill to climb, but it's definitely possible. But I think yeah. I also think the Grizzlies are hopefully I M- mean Freaking hoping they've had their worst stretch of the season and are going to, are going to go on something of a heater at some point
0: yeah, to, counter, to counterbalance it. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So I, that's, well, first of all, thank you. That was, I appreciate it. Appreciate y'all, y'all sharing those top eight. That was fascinating stuff to hear. I got a lot of questions, <laughs> a lot of things, a lot of teams I want to talk about with y'all. SeatGeek is the newest sponsor of off the ball network. If you're listening to this podcast, there's a 99.9% chance you love sports. But watching these games in person is super expensive. To help ease the pain in your wallet, use the promo code OFFTHEBALLNETWORK to get a $20 discount for first-time users of SeatGeek. Your next best night ever is waiting, and SeatGeek has the tickets. Let's just start with the Grizzlies, though, especially since we're already, you know, Grant just brought them up. Um, Grant and I are obviously from Memphis. I don't know if people, the listeners, knew that. Uh, I'm, I'm saying that sarcastically. Nick, you are not from Memphis, you don't have a hometown bias to the Memphis Grizzlies. You still have them, mm-hmm. uh, you still have them up there. I think they were, they were still second were third for you, right? I think you got the Sun second, so you still had Memphis third. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to hear your thoughts as an NBA fan, someone who covers the league. Uh, your thoughts on the Grizzlies currently, um, thoughts moving forward. Uh, they had a small – they did a, something at the trade deadline. They got Luke Kennard, so that helped their, their three-point shooting, um, which is a big issue for them, obviously. Uh, but what do you, what do you, how are you feeling about the Grizzlies uh, just currently and moving forward? Well,
1: I know the Grizzlies – I know Twitter hates them because, you know, their <laughs> their confidence and their cockiness. But, I mean, the one thing that you can't knock them is that, you know, they they have every right to feel like they are up there in the West now. I know people may feel a way about John Moran saying he's not worried about anybody in the West. I'm sure that has changed, but I mean, the Grizzlies still have a very solid team. Um, you know I that I mean, They're very well coached. Um, and on top of that, you know, you have an MVP caliber player, John Moran, but then also you have great supporting cast. You know, Desmond Bain has had a really had a stellar year and continues to elevate Jaron Jackson, Jr. I love him. You know, I love what he brings to the table defensively. And as far as his floor spacing, I know a lot of people hate Dylan Brooks. Um, but i do love what he <laughs> means defensive defensively and i love it <laughs> yeah and and i love the dog mentality that he has so i know that memphis is still a young team and i know that they still have a lot a lot a lot to grow as far as you know like really building like a playoff resume but i can still see them being in that same competition with a lot of teams out in the western conference so you know hopefully you know as the second half of, of the season is underway like you know i really hope that this team can really really build some momentum, you know, as the playoffs come around, you know, I know they had a, they, I know they had a really bad stretch about a few weeks ago, but, you know, I mean, it's a long season, you know, what happens, you know, teams are going to go on losing streaks here and there. So I'm just hoping, you know, after all summer break, you know, they can get together, rally up, and, you know, go on a good run to end the year.
0: Okay. Yeah. I, I, I'm with you, man. I, I echo a lot of what you said and, um, you know, kind of also mentioned what Grant said that, Hopefully they can go on a stretch that the worst is behind them. Um, obviously, I have more thoughts about the Grizzlies, but I'll I'll go to Grant. Like, give me, how are you feeling about the Grizzlies right now? Um, thoughts on the perception of national media on Memphis or anything? I'll I'll give the floor to you. Uh,
2: I'll touch first on uh Dylan Brooks and uh, the fans booing him the other night. Um, I just want to say this is a super deep cut that no one's gonna get, but um. I was at the Memphis football game when the fans booed Brady white and his entire career turned around from that moment. He was an incredible quarterback the rest of his career. Um, So I'm just hoping that that, that's what happens with Dylan Brooks. Um, So uh, let's not like, let's not hate on the fans for booing him. It's worked once before it can work again. (laughs) Um, So good job. Um, Obviously I'm not feeling as good about the Grizzlies as I was a month ago. It's it's not ideal to see like how integral it seems like Steven Adams was to us and that we, we can't yes. replace him um, because especially because there are definitely teams that are going to target him in the playoffs um, and and make him nearly unplayable. So we're just going to need guys guys to step up um, better than that in his absence. Um, and we've showed a lot of our youth, Again, like we're a super young team. So it doesn't need to be, it doesn't have to be, you know, this year robust. bust. Like that's not that's not what it is. Um, it's fine that we didn't make any moves. I would have loved for us to get Mikha Bridges or OG Ananobi. Um, but it's fine. Um, we can play the long game. Um, obviously I know Kleiman tried to make some moves, but just didn't get them. But he's I think he's right. probably fine playing the long game too. That's the other thing is we haven't seen Kleiman make any like. As, as good of his, his record as the drafting and, and signing guys, we have not really seen him fleece a team in the trade or really make any big, big trades that, um that, that really um, he won. So that's what we don't know about him as a GM yet is, is, is he able to make that type of move? Is he able to um big brain another GM, get on the phone with him and, and trick them into giving him stuff that, that he wants for stuff that he doesn't want um we don't know that he's that type of GM yet but but still excited about the Grizzlies they're they're going to be fine um I'm saying I find myself saying I'm fine in the west all the time <laughs> just like for to refer to like random things just like using that as like I'm fine like just I'm saying that all the time um uh-huh. even though even though that was like a curse that job ja, job ja placed on us basically um <laughs> so I i Down, down from where I were, but but not completely defeated yet about the Grizzlies.
0: Okay, okay, fair enough. Uh, yeah, I got yeah a lot of a lot of thoughts. Obviously, um, on the on Memphis and on what you said, Grant. Um, first off, the as someone who lives on the West Coast, when the weather got really bad in Memphis, it got super cold and it started snowing and like icing and everything. The weather got bad. Like I tweeted, like, nah, I'm fine in the West in a picture of the weather in San Diego. It's like 70 degrees. <laughs> so like I'm good. Yeah. Like, I am fine. Uh so yeah, I, I've been saying that a lot since I actually live <laughs> on the West Coast and talk to a lot of Memphis Memphis fans on Twitter. Um in terms of I'll touch on what you what you mentioned about Zach Climate because uh, I, I think with the trade deadline, there were a lot, a lot of Memphis Grizzlies fans who were. Pretty pissed off, like pretty bothered that Memphis didn't get OJ Anobi, Memphis didn't get Mikhail Bridges, Memphis didn't get Kevin Durant. And they were pissed off. They're like, oh, climbing, like, what's happening? Why aren't you doing anything? Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? Uh, first of all, I just want to state again: the NBA is not 2K. It's not my GM mode. It's not my league mode. This, this, it's so difficult in real life to actually make trades it's understanding the value of things understanding the value of picks the value of players it's it's not as simple as just like a star system or even uh <clears throat> yeah it's not as a, as a star system on 2k or even doing it on uh trade simulator online it's not that simple there's so many more dynamics that we will never understand because we're not them so for, first of all relax it's it's really hard to do this second of all the reports came out and Kleiman said it that they tried, like they actually tried to get OJ Novi, to try to get McCall Bridges, Kevin Durant. They offered a, a a bounty of first round picks to get them. They just didn't have the players. They weren't the a. They didn't want to offer the players like a Desmond Bain or a Jaren Jackson Jr. Um, obviously John Morant. Well, that that shouldn't have that shouldn't that should go without saying. Of course, not trading job. but like they they weren't going to trade Jaron or Desmond Bain, and those are the two guys with real value that a team would have wanted. And like you mentioned before, Grant, Memphis doesn't have a McCall Bridges to offer to a team that would be kind of expendable because they'd be getting Kevin Durant in return. Memphis doesn't have that. They would have had to cobble together like ZR Williams, Dylan Brooks, Danny Green. Uh maybe Santi like Aldama is the piece. Santi San, is the
2: piece. He's the biggest. San, he is the biggest go. name to give. To, yeah, if, if we were going to give someone, it would have to have been Santi Aldama.
0: I agree. I love Santi. But <laughs> uh it's we just didn't have that guy. Like Zach Kleiman gave it his best shot to try and make that home run move so i i don't like seeing people trying disparaging zach or whatever it's frustrating um thirdly uh i think they like you said grant they're down to play the long game and i think that is a smart decision um to still they still have assets there's still a flexibility to to do something in the offseason if they want to um and if worse things worse comes to worst it's a first round exit and Kleiman and company <clears throat> have a better understanding of the team's flaws and how to remedy them in the off season. Um, Best case scenario, uh, they make playoff noise, Western conference final NBA final hell win the whole thing. And we just shut everyone up. We shut all the haters up national media. We shut up NBA Twitter who say like, Oh, I hate the Grizzlies because they're confident in themselves and they like to talk and they have fun. Uh, Yuck. Boo like that. Shut up. Just app, uh, just stop it. Like, why, why are we trying to put them down for being confident and happy and being excited to play basketball and, and having belief in themselves? Why is that a thing? It's whatever. I, whatever. I don't know. I'm not going to get in a soapbox about it, but um, yeah, like you said, Grant, I'm not as high as I was like a month ago, but I think getting Luke canard helps. Uh, he's, he's, he's a 45% three point shooter on a low volume. Yes, but he's still a really good three point shooter that I think will make a difference for this team. And when they're healthy, um, it's a damn good basketball team I, when they're fully healthy. Uh, I hate to say that I called this losing streak with Stephen Adams getting hurt because you you can emulate pieces to mimic John Morant, but you can't do that with Stephen Adams, not on this roster. And he's actually really important for the ecosystem of the, of the team. So, um, yeah, but when fully healthy, I still think this is a damn good team. Nick, what's your ceiling for the Grizzlies? Uh, we've talked about them a lot, but like, what's your ceiling for them when fully healthy?
1: When fully healthy, I will say they can be a Western Conference Finals-bound team. I mean, I know, I know you guys probably watch way more Grizzlies than I do, so you guys have a different perspective. But from my point of view, you know, I, I I really do think that you know, I know that they're young compared to like a lot of the other teams in the Western Conference, but I I do feel like they already have the playoff resume. They already have the experience of what it takes, you know. Because I mean, they've elevated just about every year. I mean, twenty years. 2020 they played in the uh, playing tournament 2021 they got you know to the first round even though they lost to utah then this past year they lost to the golden state in the second round so they've they pretty much elevated every single year I, I know that you know i know that you know it may not be something to a lot of people but you know it's a slow progression that you see with this team at least every year when they make it to the postseason so you know this season will definitely be a lot tougher because the western conference has gotten stronger but i could still see them becoming western conference finals, finals bound you know when fully healthy
0: i like you nick <laughs> I, I like you, man. <laughs> I like you, man. <laughs> because yeah. I feel like the other non-Grizzlies fans may have a very different opinion of the, on the Grizzlies than you. So yeah. I
1: like you, man. I <laughs> appreciate it. You're
2: being a real trooper. You, yeah. you didn't sign up to well, come on the like, Grizzlies podcast, but,
1: but here you are. Right. I'm not I'm not saying it's guaranteed or anything, but you right, know, course, I, I can see course. it happening.
0: Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, let's see. All right, let's talk about your Hawks, Nick, because you have them in your top eight. Um, and I want you to sell me on the Hawks as somebody who, um, was who bought Hawks stock like three years ago. Grant was well aware of this. Uh, I bought Atlanta Hawks stock years ago, and I was high on it. I was like, "Let's go Hawks!" Like I was actually a big proponent of them. They showed they made an Eastern Conference final, and I went on this podcast. I was like, "Grant, I told you so. Connor, I told you so. They're really good." And now I I, I feel like I held on to my Hawks stock for a little too long. Uh, But they're still in the playing conversation. They're eighth right now in the Eastern Conference. Um, But their net, their net's like 23rd. They're 23rd in the net ring. Let me check just to verify. Yep, 23rd. That's that's not that good, uh, Nick. So I want you to sell me on the Hawks. Why should I believe in them?
1: Obviously, you know, we all know the backcourt duo of Trey Young and Ajante Murray. But I will say this though. I mean, Atlanta on paper, they're a good team, but I feel like there is something that they're missing. I don't know if they need an elite wing, or I don't need if they I don't know if they need possibly more floor spacing in the um, you know, at the big man position. You know, obviously, you know, because Clint Capella is more of a rim protector, he's not really a guy that's gonna space the floor for you on the offensive end. So I don't know if they need that, but honestly i mean you know atlanta this is a real interesting year for them because i mean even last you know they had their inconsistencies um and you know it's even transpired you know throughout most of this year even though you know a lot of guys been in and out of the rotation so honestly i don't know i mean i think that this could be a really big offseason for them i don't know if they'll like will pass Nate mcmillan and go find another coach i don't know if they'll go out there and try to find another wing or whoever even though deandre hunters had a pretty solid year but Atlanta, there's still there's still some missing pieces to this team that could really help them elevate as a playoff or as like a true playoff contender you know, like they once were back years ago. So obviously they're they're still a good team just because of you know the superstar that Trey Young is, but I feel like this is this is gonna be a really big offseason off for them to possibly surround young with some more elite talent that could help, you know, help 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 them progress, you know, for next season.
0: How are you how are you feeling about DeAndre Hunter? Um, because I, I as a I think it was the fourth overall pick and please correct me if I'm wrong I think it was fourth and he hasn't he had a good season before he got uh I think he hurt his knee if I remember correctly like he got he had a bad injury that he sat out for a lot of games and he just hasn't really looked the same because people thought he was taking a leap and getting better like i <clears throat> I liked him a lot when he when he came out in the in came out the draft but he seems to have pardon me. He seems to have kind of stagnated. And yeah, it's his third year. So he's he's young. Uh, but how are you feeling about him? Because I, I agree with the wing issues, and I think DeAndre was supposed to be the guy to kind of solve those, at least long term, but that hasn't happened yet.
1: Yeah, I think I think the injuries have held DeAndre back a little bit to a degree because I mean it's like you mentioned, you know, I think a lot of people expected more out of him. You know, because I I know people, I mean, I've talked to people like maybe three, four years ago, they expected him to be the second best player behind Trey Young. So I mean, like that's how high it was for a lot of guys with DeAndre Hunter. I mean, and like I'm not taking nothing away from him because I mean he has still had a pretty solid year. You know, he's a great he's a great guy. He's a great spot up shooter. And he and he can provide a little de- a little bit of defense. So he definitely does produce in like some way. But it definitely isn't to the magnitude that a lot of people expected. But you know, I don't know if I don't know what the future may look like for him. I don't know if he stays with Atlanta. I don't know if they possibly possibly may try to move him. You know, I mean they I mean but even either way I mean I feel like they still have some pretty good. Wings. I mean AJ Griffin throughout this year has, has been really has played really well for them in his first year in the league. So yeah. But I will agree with you though. I mean, DeAndre hasn't elevated to like to the degree that many people expected. So the future may still look good for him in Atlanta or it may not. I'm not I'm not hundred percent sure.
0: Okay, fair enough. Grant, do you have any um, Hawks thoughts?
2: Yeah, on DeAndre Hunter. Well, first of all, I, I can't believe John Collins is still hot. Um it's
0: it's
1: wild. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's, it's been about like three years of looking for a trade and, you know, it just hasn't happened. Yeah, just no one, um,
2: on Deion Hunter, like the, the offense numbers like on the surface, they're good. Um, it's really, I think the defensive side that he's gone backwards, like, like if he was the defensive yeah. player, he was profiled as coming into the draft, um, then he would be in this like, Ojan and Obi discussion, um, with, with the, the numbers he's putting out basically. Uh, but he's he's nowhere near there because he just is not that type of defender for some reason, probably probably because of the injuries. Um, so that's hurt them a lot. Um Adrian Griffin, yeah, might might end up being the better option there. Um so that yeah, that that lack of like that wing who seemed like he was gonna be that prototypical three and D type um wing with maybe a little bit more juice. Um, that was kind of something they were banking on. Uh but but that's, that's hurt them a lot. Um, and I still think there, there could be some, some trade going forward. Um, maybe a really big one, like similar to the one that, that Zach Lowe uh, said, Trey Young and, and, and Carl Anthony Towns. Um, some, some trade with them. I was trying to get some free team to trade together recently um, involving those two players. I can't remember exactly what the details All were. Can't, couldn't make it work, but uh, the Hawks feel like, Uh, they need some sort of some sort of reset right now because the energy just isn't isn't great there
0: yeah yeah i feel you man this is not really selling me on the hawks like it's just just making me feel like dang like they're kind of kind of more down. uh but you know they still like you said nick they still have trey they still have Dejounte. like the fit between of Dejounte and trey i think um it's 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 as advertised I think they fit really well together Dante's having Mm -hmm. a great year Trey's still having a great year um but it's now the it's now the other pieces uh John Collins as good as he is he just doesn't his heart doesn't seem to be in it at playing for Atlanta (laughs) and you know Clint Capella is really good uh but he also has injury issues in his own right and he's a pretty as good he's really good at what he does but he's still a one-dimensional well he's a good defender well, I guess, you know what I mean? He's not, he is who he is. He's not going to really get better. He is who he is at this stage in his career. Um, <clears throat> Bogdanovich is a good player, but he also has injury issues. Um, Okongwu is cool. I think Kongu could be an interesting piece uh, just moving forward. And maybe, you know, if they do want to try and make a big swing trade, he could be, he, he, he could have value in, in something like that. But yeah, it's just, they're, they're in an interesting spot. Um, and especially looking at how good the East still is, it's, it's a tough position. Um, grant I wanted to get your thoughts on my, on, I almost said my Raptors, not like you've been the Raptors guy in this podcast, but, uh, your thoughts on me putting the Raptors in my top eight as the Raptors guy. Uh, what, what are you thinking?
2: Where'd you have them? You have them eighth. I had them eighth. Um, I, yeah, they're, they're right there. Um, I almost had them there. Um surprised not to see th- them make any moves than just completely stay pat uh cuz it doesn't seem like this current group is going to really go- take them anywhere um as as fun as it is and as talented as it is uh but um yeah they like we we've talked about them a, a pretty good amount on this podcast and just the positional logjam they have um and the fact they don't fit that well um obviously they added Jakob that that's a good piece for them don't know if he's going to like really push them over the edge but but yeah i mean eighth them being a play-in team is, or a, you know, a seventh, seventh or eighth seed is completely not a question. They could go on a little run here and look better. They they definitely could be much worse than they've they've been so far this season. I think their their upside is higher than that. I'm not actually sure where they are in net rating right now, but I would guess that they're higher than their record.
0: Yeah, they are 14th in okay, the net. Okay. So, so again, higher than uh, than the record would suggest. Um, yeah. yeah, the Raptors stuff is is definitely interesting uh i still believe in them i think they can make a playoff push it's it's a discussion as to whether or not they made the right decision to stay pat or not be to 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 basically be a buyer and not a seller at the trade deadline but you know but that's for a future discussion um nick thank you so much dude for coming on grant always always happy to have you on and talk with you and always good to see your face nick where can people find you man your content and everything
1: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, first and foremost, thank you guys for bringing me on to the pod. I, I, it was definitely a pleasure talking basketball with you guys. Talking so post a trade deadline. Um, as for me, follow me on Twitter at Nick Andre ATR. You can check out all my work. Um, you know, from my Patreon, my Medium, to you know, a few other websites that I do write for. So yeah, check it out. Um, I have my link tree in my bio of my uh, profiles. So make sure to check that out.
0: Okay. Cool. Uh, any last words, Grant?
1: Nope. Oh, it was a good good talk, guys. Thanks, Nick.
0: Yep. Thank you both of you. And until next time, peace.
2: Fool days, hot tops. When my blue face, ice pops, I'm gonna make a shoot place, necklace. Yeah, we whip and pops off, Lexus. And I'm skipping school days, mic traps. Eyes on summer, like
0: cyclops. Yeah, we fought then on the sidewalk. Mama, what's to home?